Hello and welcome back to the Move and Inspire podcast with me, Sophie Deer, where I chat to inspiring thinkers and leaders who will empower people like you and me to live a healthier and happier life. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Move and Inspire podcast. I am thrilled to be interviewing Kagi Dunlop today, so hello Kagi. Hello, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm surviving the heat. London isn't quite equipped for the heat. No one has aircon, but it's, uh, it's good. You know, it's nice to have some sun. I know London really cannot deal with it, can it? Like, you just want to get out as soon as there's a heat wave. Everyone wants yeah. to leave. Absolutely. Because um, you're in Bali at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, I'm in Bali, but the... And the temperature's probably about the same. It's about 30 degrees, but obviously we all have air con and you kind of get used to it as well. Like I'm actually sat here with long trousers and a lot and long sleeves because you just get so used to the heat. Yeah, I'm not. I'm basically wearing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I was just thinking back like as to when we actually first got in touch. And I think it was during uh, lockdown last year when um, you subscribed to my membership and I reached out to you to say that I was loving your podcast because it was, um, yeah, the beginning of lockdown when I started listening to Saturn Returns. And I remember listening to one of the first ones you did was Shona Virtue. And mm-hmm. I took away so many wonderful insights, but I just remember laughing so much. And <laughs> it's kind of like, I really, I find myself gig- giggling through a lot of your podcasts. And I think that you have this really wonderful way of making things feel really light, even though mm. often the topics you're talking about are heavy. Like quite, yeah, heavy and difficult. So I think you strike that balance really well. And it's, and it, it draws me back to the podcast time and time again. So I'm really mm. enjoying it. I think you've kind of nailed it there in terms of why people connect with it and that's always been something I think that I've had in my personality is like I like going deep on things but I also always like to be fun and it's almost like I I sense when something's got too serious and then I'll make a joke of it but and I think the nature of these kind of themes that we're exploring like if you go in too heavy and you keep with that tone people don't people don't really they can't enjoy that you know not constantly not weekly so I think it's about striking that balance. Yeah, totally. And yeah, you definitely do it very well. Um, I would love for you just to start by telling us a little bit about um, what a Saturn return is and what kind of happened to you during your Saturn return. Sure. Well, so your Saturn return is essentially something, a transit in astrology, which is when Saturn orbits the sky and it returns back to the same point it was when you were born so that takes about 30 years 27 to 30 years hence why it's Saturn return you you if you're lucky you have three of these if you you know you live till 90 and your first one is 27 to 30 and it's known as this kind of cosmic coming of age this initiation into adulthood And I think regardless of your interest in astrology, and I think that's why it's connected with people, even if they're not, don't have an appetite for the esoteric, is that that is a transition in life that everyone finds difficult because your 20s are quite, I don't know, you're allowed to mess up a bit more. I think 
I think it's changed a lot now in the generation that's younger than me versus when I grew up in the 20s, but we can get into that. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just quite a difficult period. And I think that no one really discusses it because we are always, you know, when we're, when we're young, we say, oh, by the time I'm 30, like, if I'm not married, we'll marry each other or like this will happen. I have the house and I have all these things. And quite often we don't have all those things together and we're just grasping really who we truly are. But there's, there's a, a grief in that because when we have an understanding of who we are in our, authentic, in our authenticity, we also have to say goodbye to a lot of things that we've got used to, whether that's a career, a place, people. Um, and so there's also like a lot of isolation that can, I think we, we experience. I definitely went through sort of, I call it like a fertile void where there's like not a lot going on in terms of I hadn't found my people, I hadn't found my thing, but I knew who I wasn't. And so I had to kind of go through that terrain, so to speak. So that's kind of what a Saturn return is. And then you have Saturn squares that happen at 7, 14, 21, which again, are all quite pivotal moments. And the reason it is so turbulent, or can be, depending on how you've been living, is because Saturn is known to be a bit of a disciplinarian. It brings with it these lessons. It really, it feels like a very tough teacher, but it's definitely there to help you. And I think that's, that, that's the sort of beauty of hindsight in when you come out of your Saturn return as you realize, oh, that was actually for my own good. But at the time you're like, why is this happening to me? <laughs> so, um, that's kind of it in a in a nutshell. I hope that explains it a little bit. And then to your second point about my own Saturn Returns journey, I had just moved to LA. I had woken up with a wonderful boyfriend. I had a, a lovely boyfriend, and I think my life definitely had a trajectory that I could see. We were back in we were living in London. We were pretty much living together. And I just had this kind of niggling feeling of this isn't this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing and this urge to kind of perhaps run away perhaps find myself perhaps a little bit of both and then I moved to LA and then suddenly this massive shift happened in me where all the coping mechanisms and the way I've been living my life just weren't working and the consequences of living that way were getting more and more severe and undeniable and so I just went on this journey and through that journey, people came into my life in the most weird and wonderful ways. But I was very, just to say, I was very lonely during this transit. I didn't entirely know what was going on. I always had a, a spiritual side to me, but it wasn't, I hadn't found my tribe. You know, I hadn't found the tools or the practices really. But I started to during this point. And, um, you know, I was introduced to the works of, the teachings of Abraham Hicks, that was really quite pivotal, and astrology and all these kind of things. And sobriety was like a huge piece for me, or at least sober curious. And then I guess coming out the other side, I went through, you know, life lessons like we all do. And then coming out the other side, I was like, wow, I really wish some. I had like a handbook that I could give people for navigating this space. 
and that's kind of how the podcast was was born yeah it's so interesting I didn't actually know anything about Saturn returns until I'd got through my Saturn return and it makes so much sense to me for me I had a most people don't yeah yeah uh, and I suppose that's part of it as well you get more curious like as you said for me like I was getting more spiritual I got into yoga um became a yoga teacher um was doing therapy around this age but I suppose until you're in that you don't necessarily necessarily know what's um what's happening. going on yeah yeah well it's not brought into your awareness until like you say you're you're looking for it you have an appetite for those kind of things so I think that's yeah that's kind of it but it's interesting how many people are it's even though it seems quite niche it's such related there's such relatable themes under the umbrella of of that transit if that makes sense mm. Something you talk about a lot in um, your podcast is like your past relationships. And mm. um, it's something I've been talking about more and more on um, my podcast because I've had quite a big shift um, in being with someone for 10 years who I married and then more recently wow. separated and, and divorced. And I just... Um, I really realized the more I do open up about this and I'm only just starting to open up about it, the more people are really intrigued to learn and understand more because for me, it was a massive shift in the sense that I actually moved to Bali. Um, so in terms for you, um, what do you think has been like the biggest change you've seen over the last few years or even over the last few relationships in terms of like you learning more about yourself your Saturn return, becoming more spiritual. Like, yeah, the kind of lessons you've learned. Do you mean in relation to relationships? Yeah. Or for all the lessons from relationships or how I, how I now go into things in a different way or all the above? All the above. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's definitely um, something I discuss a lot. I'd say I've always been very curious about how people relate with one another whether that's in a romantic sense or otherwise but obviously I am I'm a Taurus I'm twice ruled by Venus I have I'm very romantic um and I've probably always given a lot of energy to that sometimes to my demise but you know the episodes that have always done the best have been the ones that are about relationships whether that's because they are also simultaneously the most raw and real I think it's because people it's something that everyone relates to everyone wants to know and needs to know more about because we aren't taught anything about it it's something that we all quite fundamentally need to survive and thrive we are wired for connection and yet we aren't given any school you know there's no schooling around love intimacy healthy dependency what that looks like conscious partnerships so we're learning as we go but not really informing each other necessarily in a healthy way I actually think sometimes we're just regurgitating bad advice to one another um you know there's and there's a lot of people actually in that space that I don't believe are doing making a positive impact on how you know like 
basically giving advice on how to play games and all this kind of stuff. So it's just, it's a very interesting theme. Um, it's something that I am so passionate about. As you know, we both share a love of Mark Groves. I think that he is one of the most incredible people. Uh, Esther Perel is amazing as well. And in terms of like my own personal journey with it, I'd say my breakup, my Saturnian breakup was the real catalyst for so much for me. And I believe every breakup has the opportunity to be that. I think that through the pain that we experience, there's always an opportunity for tremendous growth. And that definitely, it made me suddenly realize like, okay, I am responsible for myself. And I have a choice here, like we can wallow in our own victimhood or we can, we can step into our power. And really sort of cultivating that sort of personal autonomy was just tra so transformative for me. And I don't think that would have happened had I not gone through that breakup because I was very much, you know, I talk about this a lot, but my 20s were so... I'd been quite conditioned, I guess, and a lot of us are by society that as as women that we meet a man and we kind of mold ourselves to them you know what kind of girlfriend do they want do they need what version of me do I need to be to fit into their life and in doing so we often abandon our own path and I did that many 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 times um and I kind of made a bit of a vow not to do that anymore and I've definitely become a lot more independent I know what I want, but I haven't figured it all out. And old habits die hard. And sometimes, you know, the self-worth piece is such a, such a key one here. And I think what we have to remember is it doesn't matter how much work we do, those patterns of behavior are always going to rear their head, you know. Uh, so much of what we absorb through our parents, through our childhood, it just comes back to the surface. And I think it's about being constantly conscious and aware of those things, of the sort of child within and which one is speaking. Because I think in relationships, we can be super reactive rather than responsive because it triggers us, you know, it triggers that pain wound or that, that trauma. Um, so there's just so many interesting dynamics to it, but I kind of have gone off course. I could talk about this in, in so many different ways. I, ha I had a relationship over lockdown that was very, very different from anything I'd ever experienced before. Perhaps I was a little too in, it was too um, logical. I think sometimes when you do the work, you, I notice that some of my friends that are very heavy in this space can almost justify an unhealthy situation because it's medicinal, because it's a teacher. And sometimes I'm like, or it just doesn't fucking work, you know? And we can almost torture ourselves being like, this is good because it's challenging me to, you know, just rely on myself. I'm like, or oh, they're just unreliable, you know? So I think that was interesting because I don't think in my 20s I would have ever been in that situation that I was in. And it was definitely, we bonded over more spiritual things, but, you know, it didn't work out. We were just incompatible. And right now I'm like, very content on my own for the first time, perhaps in a long time. And it's always that challenge, isn't it? Between sort of being okay with being on your own, but also keeping an open heart. 
I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah. It, do you know what? It just, it like sparks so many things that I want to ask you about. One thing I want to say is uh, I listened to your solo episode um, about breakups and I think you said Mark Grove said it, but is it, um, if it's his, hysterical, it's historical? Yes. Mark, Mark is so many, so, so good. Many, he's got just so many quote worthy things, but if it's hysterical, it's historical is the truest thing, but it also takes the awareness to check ourselves because like also the more intensely we feel about someone, the likelihood, the more it's triggering some old wound and we're going to get fucking hysterical. And then we put it all onto them. We project it onto them. So being able to regulate our nervous system whilst we go into these situations, it's not, it's not an easy piece. Like it's very complex. It requires a lot of energy, a lot of work. Um, but it's really powerful stuff once you start practicing it. Yeah, and I think calling it out as well for what it is. If you have, if you're able to be in a conscious partnership where you're able to say, look, I know that my head's going a little bit crazy right now, but I need to explain where it's going. And then yeah. kind of what I do is do what you do in terms of that, like have, find some humor around it. I'm like, I know my head is going absolutely crazy right now, but I just need to explain where it's going so that almost you can talk it out and have that awareness around it. Yeah. Because we're not going to change that overnight. We're going to have these triggers and we're going to have these re reactions. Yeah. That is normal. It's not like you do the work and then suddenly none of that yeah. stuff rears its head. Yeah. It's like it's still there, but there's the awareness to look at it with a different lens and also to be open and honest about it. Absolutely. And Mark always says, you know, it's, it's one thing when we're on our own to be like, oh, I'm great. I've got it all figured out. And then you meet someone, you're like, oh, no, I don't. No, I really do not. But it's like, even talking about it is giving me this kind of feeling in my stomach of when that stuff comes up and you get that overwhelming, emotional, super reactive thing, it feels, and this is a really interesting part, is that it feels often instinctive like our body's going something's wrong we need to run but it can be a trauma response from something historical that we've experienced that may have been traumatic and something is reminding us of that and going shut down put a wall up run you know whatever it might be and I think to be able to communicate that with our partners is really it's really really tough and like you say there's there's definitely tools and practices and ways that you can go about it, but it requires vulnerability. It requires like really separating from our ego and being able to be imperfect, you know? And I think something that I really struggled with definitely in relationships is like, I want to be perfect. And so for me to say, this is bringing up this for me and this is actually my shit, not you. It's actually really hard for me to do. I'd far rather be like, this is you. <laughs> totally. And also I think as women, we have this fear around being needy, coming across as like weak and needy. And so that can stop us so much. And so again, we do this thing of like, I'm fine on my own. Mm. Um, especially exactly. I think like our generation as well, where we're like supposed to have it all, the job, the... Um, the career, the husband, the baby. 
but yeah being able to share that vulnerability as you said and also being able to share your needs which actually leads me on really nicely to um a point which i definitely never ever thought about sharing what i needed in a relationship ever before and um when i went through my separation i was like right i'm going to work out what i really feel i need and so i really did some work on writing those things down so powerful and i wonder oh so so powerful i wonder if you have like some non-negotiables some needs that you wouldn't mind sharing that you look for within absolutely. a relationship i mean cuz yeah that's the thing it's the non-negotiables which sounds pretty like you're going in for a tough uh you know being like this is it this is how it's going to roll but you kind of do have to have those fundamental things that you look for but it's it's funny because i think we always we go searching for unconditional love with a scripture of conditions you know it's like and it's only once we're in them because we don't communicate them before we're just like oh i don't like that i don't like that but so to be able to actually no one takes the time to be like okay these are the things these are like my values this is what i stand for this is what i need from a partnership we're so and i'm going to be gender specific as women we're so malleable because we've had to be a lot of the time but i think that's shifting so much and it can be it's like a sieving process when you can just be like these aren't meeting these needs we also have to remember that we have evolved to a state where it's like and i struggle with this so much when i get that fireworks chemistry feeling towards someone i'm like i don't care if they don't meet any of my needs i'll abandon everything you know i'll get on a flight to australia you know quit my job leave my friends behind leave my family like i honestly was so like that and i've still definitely got that in me but you have to kind of go to a place of like is this really what i want is this really going to make me thrive because if we really look underneath that chemistry and often anxiousness is that going to be a progressive place to build a conscious partnership i'm not saying that you can't have chemistry with someone but they have to also meet the values that you stand by so at the moment communication i think is really 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 key someone that everything could be worked on but someone that just like shuts shuts down or runs when something gets hard is a bit of a red flag for me you know and it's something that i've had to work on a lot i know it's not easy but it's really tricky to be in a relationship with someone that literally just goes no you know if they're not aware of it and they're not willing to work on it so that's definitely a big one um and healthy dependency so the last relationship i was in i kind of went from one extreme of perhaps being quite needy and quite dependent on my partners especially in a physical way and i don't mean in a sexual sense i mean like i'm very tactile and it's almost like i go back into and i think a lot of us do go back into quite like a childlike state of needing um parenting you know being held and all that kind of stuff and i went from like being like that to being someone that really didn't like that and was so about autonomy and you know independence and that we didn't rely on each other 
And that was interesting as a sort of thing to explore. But ultimately, there needs to be a balance between the two. And you need to be able to depend on each other in a way that's not overly demanding. But it's like the whole point of partnership, to be able to be there for one another, but also support each other on your own journey. So that is definitely a big one. Um, And then... I think compatibility, Mark talks quite a lot about love languages and it's something that I've been looking into a lot and it's something that people don't, I never really thought about it before, but if you don't communicate, you have to learn each other's love language, you have to be willing to be like, okay, this is how they receive love and this is how they give love, it might not be the way I'm used to. It's great when it just works and it's just there, but sometimes it's like a little bit different from what you're used to. And then something that I, and I think all of us do it, and it's a whole episode in itself, but the attachment theory stuff is, uh, I have to be mindful of that dynamic whenever I meet someone, you know? Is that thing that's drawing me to them because it plays out a anxious, avoidant dynamic that's familiar for me um so those are a couple of things yeah it's really cool because it does ultimately being able to say say these needs and say what your values are again goes back to this like self-worth and not self-abandoning which again with and I've heard you say it before like the whole Disney thing that we're just like we will be saved by the man so we don't need to put what we actually need out there or our, what our non-negotiables are because it's kind of almost out of our hands or that's how we're led to to believe yeah. when we're we're growing up so yeah I think it's um it's so interesting to learn this and and also to learn it with your partner, right? Like if you can get into a relationship where you're learning together, like Mark always talks about how if your partner still has something to teach you, you know, you're, you're still in it. And Totally. And that's the thing. I think when you realise that every relationship that comes your way and everything that happened is it, just teachers and everyone is an opportunity and, uh, you know, an experience where we where we can learn if we remain open to it. And I think it's crucial to not villainize your, you know, partner, ex, whatever experience, because I think that that negates what was shared, what was like, you know, whether that was love or passion or whatever, all the lessons. Um, and also it's disempowering. Yeah, and really taking responsibility for stuff. I I learned that through one of my mentors. I don't know if you know her, Emma Cannon. She's like a a fertility expert and she helped me when I was thinking about going through IVF and I was having, I lost my period for a while. And something she, she told me was curiosity, compassion and responsibility. Like when you react, get curious, be compassionate towards yourself for how you react, even if you like, have a hissy fit um and then take responsibility for how you can change the situation even if you're like blaming and putting it all on someone else how can you take that responsibility absolutely leading on more to um 
back to Mark Groves, I've learned so much about kind of my, actually my stepping stone with him was all about boundaries. And then that led me to codependency. Yeah. I was just about to say, bring up boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's bring up the it. boundaries. <laughs> Have you had any like, like real, like aha moments with your boundary work and putting in those boundaries and how difficult has that been for you? So hard. And not just in a romantic sense, just in life, just setting boundaries in life. I, and definitely in work, um, being able to put those boundaries in place and just being so concerned that if you set a boundary, you're going to upset someone or lose someone. And I think that that's why we don't do it because we think, well, if I set a boundary there, I'm going to upset them or, you know, I'm going to cause a conflict and I don't want any conflict. So I'll just, I'll just keep going. But there's, it's a very particular kind of feeling when, you know, your boundaries either aren't in place or they're being overstepped and you, it begins to feel, you begin to feel bitter, resentful, you can't thrive to your best ability, but ultimately you're angry. You'll be angry at other people, but you're actually angry at yourself because you're not, you know, doing it. And so that work is, and it's interesting because the podcast has always informed my life as it happens. And someone actually sent me a message yesterday on Instagram that just really summed it up. She was like, when you kind of want to find it, but she's like, when you, like, do it, we do it. And I always try and remember, as I'm speaking these things, like, I have to, I have to embody it. And the lessons will always come along. And they're always like, it's one thing intellectualizing it, and then it happens. And you're like, oh, this is actually really fucking hard. But the boundary, well, I learned something really, really amazing from one of my mentors who, because I think within my family as well, they're all quite tough. And I then associate boundaries as being really aggressive or being like, you know, if you need to set a boundary, let's say in work and sending a really cutting email that's all, you know, a bit scary and just can intensify the situation in, in a bad way. Um, and he taught me, he was like, people can't mess with the truth. And within that, what he meant was, if it's true for you, and you can communicate that. It's not, it's not about you taking away the other person's experience because they're going to be having their own. But just to be like, this is what I feel and this is what I need to own. And I respect that you will have another truth. And Mark always talks about this. It's like, you have to make space for there to be two truths in a situation. It's not about who's right or wrong. It's just like, this is what I need to do for me. And I really hope that you can respect that. So if you apply that to... A relationship it's like you don't have to be um confrontational with it you don't need and boundaries don't always need to be communicated in the way that we think like some people are like oh i'm gonna cut them off and i'm gonna tell them I'm like no that's not that's not setting a boundary necessarily that's actually looking for a response and so you really need to check in with yourself that it's coming from a true, authentic place, not to get a reaction from someone. And they're a lot quieter in that sense. You know, you don't need to, like I say, you've got to set them almost internally first before you try and communicate them to the world. Because 
you need to be able to set it and be okay with people leaving your life if they can't respect it or meet it. And I think that's the terrifying thing is that we're, we're so willing to abandon ourselves to keep someone in. But if you're keeping them on the wrong terms, like that's not good for you and it's not good for them. And that brings me to one of my favourite quotes. I think it's Elizabeth Gilbert. And I keep reminding myself of it at the moment. It's like, there's no such thing as one-way liberation. And if you, you, again, you can apply that to relationships. If someone breaks up with you and you're heartbroken and stuff, like if it's liberating for them and freeing for them, it might not feel it at the time, but it will be for you. And you just have to trust the unfolding of that. If you lose a job, your life suddenly takes on a complete different course and you feel lost, like... And it's, it's liberating for the other people involved. It will be liberating for you. And I try and live my life, especially at the moment, on those principles. And I really believe it to be so. Because if it's feeling stuck and stagnant from one party, the likelihood is it is from the other one. You just They might not have the awareness around it yet. Yeah, so um, you've put that so beautifully. I really, um, yeah, I really love everything you've said around boundaries and something that that also I thought about during your solo episode around breakups was uh, on a different path but to do with victimhood and I think this is something that we can so easily do when we haven't done the work and we haven't got the awareness Mm -hmm. we so quickly go into why do things why do bad things always happen to me Mm. and I wonder and then it just perpetuates the issue yeah and again, it's like putting like what we were saying about putting yourself back into that control by taking the responsibility. Um, but did you have like a moment, was that through a particular relationship or uh, yeah, a particular moment where you realized that you were playing that victim? victim? Yeah. There are a couple of moments looking back. One, I went to this retreat when I was probably at I guess a bit of a rock bottom. I'd come back from LA, I was really unsure of who I was, what my path was, and I got invited on this retreat that was quite an intense spiritual deep dive. It wasn't like a glamorous kind of yoga green juice. It was like a, you know, let's look at your childhood trauma and like work through it. And at the beginning I was like, I do not need, I do not need to be here. I do not want to be here. Tried to pretty much escape. And then I stayed and there were like a lot of aha moments there. But one was, I could not, we had to do this thing, which was like go a timeline of our life and go through people that had been significant. And that could be from, you know, a five-year relationship to a postman you had an interaction with. It was like whatever came up and felt significant for you. And as we journaled around these people and these things, we had to ask, answer a set of questions. And one of the questions was, what part did you play in this? And I honestly couldn't understand the question. I remember going to the, the, my, you know, my friend or the teachers and I was like, I don't get it. I couldn't <laughs> get my head around that I may have played a part in the demise of anything or been responsible for anything. Like responsibility was a huge theme in my Saturn Returns journey. So that was one of the things that looking back, I was like, wow, I didn't even compute that question. And the second one was, even at the end, when we had to speak about what we'd experienced, I felt before that the universe was like, 
or everything was against me. What shifted was I felt, I said, it's happening around me, but I didn't say it's happening for me. It was like, I was still, it, I was in like protection mode, you know? I was like, everything's chaos, but now I have a bubble. And that was interesting looking back because now I'm like, everything's happening for me. Even when things go wrong, me and my, like, my best friend will be like, just say thank you. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> and then the quicker you flow with it, the more you're like, okay, I get it. Because ultimately we can't grow without pain. We need it. We need these experiences to cultivate and mold ourselves in the versions we're supposed to be. If everything was just easy and straightforward, like we wouldn't become anything interesting. We wouldn't transform into like the butterflies we're supposed to be. It is, you know, I always say that the pain is the knife that sculpts the clay. It's like, otherwise we're just, you know, formless. And so I think once I started realizing that even the bad experiences are beautiful and to appreciate them and also to be appreciative of pain, of, of feeling very deeply. It's something that I think in our society, we've become immune to like handling it. We don't really, especially with social media, it creates this warped version of reality that everything has to be pretty and perfect. And I think that that is really problematic. And, and then it was the breakup. So the big breakup at the end of my Saturn return was, it could have easily put me into like, I'm a victim, this has happened to me. And I never really felt that, which was interesting because I think I'd been doing a lot of work and then suddenly I realized I had an opportunity to, to put it into practice. And that was really, paradoxically empowering for me because I was like even though that happened I don't feel victimized by the situation I can see that this is someone that's going through something in his own journey and this isn't actually to do with me and I don't need to villainize him in order to validate what I'm feeling you know we both are experiencing pain and one doesn't nullify the other and I think that that is also an empowering thing to be able, like it's, you know, holding space for each other, even in the demise, it's not always possible. But now, you know, without going into too much detail, there's a beautiful friendship two years later that's been able to come out of it. And I think that that is because I didn't go into that victimhood state. Yeah, so powerful. And. I think the other thing with being in those moments, as you said about like being in pain, is not feeling like we have to fix it. Like knowing that, as you said, like the universe is, mm. it's got its own plan and we're just a part of that. And again, being thankful. And it reminds me of like the, like Lacey Phillips and, cause I know you did a great podcast with her as well. Like just. Yeah, I love Lacey. She's so great. I'm just actually starting the, a lot of, um, to, to kind of dive deep in, into her stuff but um, I try and have that kind of affirmation of what is meant for me will not miss me and I think that it's just such a good way to yeah. 
to stop striving all the time for this happiness. I think people think as well, when we talk about like the work, it's like you've literally got to sit down, pen to paper and be journaling all the time and doing, be doing all these courses and actually just letting go. And totally. I feel like sometimes people could become like addicted to that, but it's, it, it's a control piece. And it's really as simple as like tapping into your body. Like, does this feel in alignment? No. Okay, let's change course to this. Yes. Okay, let's keep going. It's like a constant, we have our own internal navigation system. It's just becoming aware and tapped into it. And things are going to happen when you're like, oh, that felt really icky. I wish I didn't do that. And just go, okay, great. What have I learned? How have I changed? Why didn't that work for me? And like, how can we adapt and move on going forward? I think this leads me on really nicely to like, what are the kind of daily practices that you have or regular practices you have that allows you to put the work in? Yeah, people, it's such a personal thing um, that I'm like mindful of not wanting to prescribe too many things. I think in my breakup solo episode, I may have, I'm a big believer in journaling, but I don't, I'm not that, you know, I'm not doing it every day, but I do it for things like, it just creates a lot of synchronicity because, for instance, I just moved into a new place and initially when I moved in, I had a complete freak out. I felt very overwhelmed. I had this thing of, you know, I, I need to remain small. I've moved into someone that's too big. I don't have a partner. I feel like I should. All these fears and like irrational things were coming up and I opened one of my many, many journals and it opened to a page which said, my dream home. And I was like, what's this? And I'd written it probably a year ago. And it was describing the space in, a, you know, literally the wood floors it had, the ceilings, the balcony. But it was also describing, like, what it was going to signify for me in terms of the version of myself that I was going into. And as soon as I read it, I was like, oh, I'm here. This is okay. This is, like, safe. This is where I'm supposed to be. So it can act as, like, a, these amazing reminders because we forget and we get so stuck in our neuroses that we're like panicking. So it's quite nice to go back to, not only to see how far we've come, but also to remember what we were desiring at that time, because we're all guilty of getting those things and then being like, but I want more and not actually appreciating what we've achieved or how far we've come. So I just think they're a beautiful thing to keep for life because it's an opportunity to go back into a library of who all the versions of ourselves we've ever been. So I literally have them from, I started very, it was a very innate thing in me. I started from a very young age and I've kept them all. I mean, if anyone ever found them, they'd think I was completely insane. <laughs> so I think, you know, writing in whatever way feels truthful for you. I love walking. Walking for me is great, getting out in nature. And moving, moving stuff out of our body. And that can be, you know, sometimes like I go to this place, just this, you know, cheap place where I go and get a massage. But there's something about the people there that I feel very held in that moment to be able to completely come undone. And I think that that's really important, especially in the society we're living in where we're expected to have everything together, have our jobs, have our relationships, have our friendships, be like bossing it and all these different... We need to be able to have a space where we can come undone, whether that's in a friendship um, or in a, in a massage parlor. And the other thing, I'm very like, I'm, 
I'm a homebody, I'm a tourist through and through in that sense. And I'm also my human design, I can't remember whether I'm a manifesting generator, but it basically, when I did that, I was like, that makes so much sense. I need a lot of downtime, a lot of chill time in order to get the most out of myself. And I think, again, that's something within our society that it's like nine to five, you have to be going, going, going all through the day. And if you're not, you're failing. Whereas I think just being, just sitting with ourselves, and that's something that people find tremendously uncomfortable. Just being able to, you know, I'll often just like lie on the sofa and I'll put on either Abraham Hicks or just like some, you know, some sort of spiritual music and just lie there doing nothing. So good. <laughs> it's, it's great because I just, I just can sit with myself and I think that that's something that's really undervalued because when we can't sit with ourselves, we will constantly be seeking validation, approval, can't, you know, need to be out because we're afraid of what might come up. But once you kind of face that stuff and realise that you have got you, you know, you've got your own back, it's a pretty cool place to be. Yeah, and um, as you said, so like undervalued that time just to be rather than feeling like we have to achieve or be productive just being able to sit I think is so much value but we and and that's been a huge huge journey of mine like I'm only just getting comfortable with it and kind of like I'd love to wrap this up with more of like a it's just a question actually it's just interesting for me because I so I love playing the guitar and singing and I'm not Mm great at it and I know you do it to a much more like professional level but where are you at with that and are you doing it for you or are you doing it for to share with other people it's very interesting that you ask that because a lot of it's one of those things that I rationalize it in my head and I reason with myself that perhaps it's not for me and you know I shouldn't do it but I have like it's a very innate calling that comes from somewhere on a soul level but I have so many internal and psychological obstacles with it that I'm still trying to navigate. But I think it's going to be a big part of my next, of the next um, series of the podcast because I know that that in some way is going to create a roadmap for me to express it in the need that I need, in the way that I am supposed to express it. I think I just need to. Um, I'm taking the steps and I actually just went and did a project away. No, I didn't tell anyone that I was going to do it and just wrote solidly for 10 days with someone. And it was incredible because it lights me up in a way that's, it's hard to explain. Um, but I think what's really important with this kind of creative stuff is that we, all should be, I don't want to say we should, all should be doing something creative because not all of us are wired that way. But if we have an innate desire to do it, we do owe it to ourselves to express that because it's very cathartic, it's very medicinal. And I think we've all sort of lost, we lose touch with that as we become adults. Children play without it needing to be their vocation. Whereas I'm like, well, I can only do it if I'm going to be the next, you know, so-and-so. 
Um, and actually, it would be such a, it would be such a, it would be a more beautiful world if we were all just more expressive with our creativity, without it needing to be something, without it needing to be the, our, the way we earn money or whatever, just as a thing that we do because it's part of who we are. So I'm trying to get more into that. I think it was challenging for me because it's been such an innate desire. And yet when I started doing it on a more professional level, I found that sometimes the press would say like, oh, she's trying to be a pop star. And that's really not what it is for me. But um, I think, again, I just have, have to separate my own ego from being concerned about the response and just do it. But... It's a theme that I've noticed amongst all my guests in varying degrees is that the thing that they hold closest to them is usually the thing they stop themselves from doing. You know, the thing that really... And I'm talking about people that are super successful that you would know, that have something that they don't share with the world that they really wanted to do because we have the most resistance around the things we love the most. It feels the most scary feels the most scary it's the most vulnerable you know because the the risk is greater but you know at the on the precipice of anything great fear is our gatekeeper we can't we can't get around that so I'm still I'm still trying to get around it but realizing that actually you know the only way is through and I think that I need to create the infrastructure and I am doing that at the moment of community and opportunities that I'm like okay let's do this now Let's put this out there. So here is me holding myself accountable to putting music out into the world soon. I love that. And I feel like that's a, a perfect way to end. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so, so much. I just want to take this opportunity to let you know about my Move and Inspire membership. My online membership is for those ready to commit to moving and meditating regularly. It's not just about exercise, it's about a way of life. And it's about empowering your mindset with accessible tools for you to feel like you can embrace everything the world has to offer you. Every month we give you at least four new yoga flows. We also give you access to our archive of over 100 videos suitable for every level. This includes vinyasa yoga, yin yoga, yoga and live music, hit strength training and more. We give you two new meditations a month to help you inspire a sense of calm and focus. We also have an archive of over 50 meditations exploring topics such as letting go, gratitude, acceptance, learning to surrender, imposter syndrome, compassion and kindness. Our community provides a private space for members to share their stories, recommend podcasts, books and inspiring quotes. If a membership isn't quite right for you, then head to my website, sophiedear.com, for courses such as the 14-day challenge, yoga for beginners, and self-growth workshops. There's all sorts of free stuff up for grabs too, so just check out the link on the homepage. We would love to have you as part of the tribe, so check out the links in the podcast notes. Thank you so much for listening. 
For more inspirational tips, please head to www.sophiedeard.com and sign up for my weekly wellness letter. 